Well, welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries. As always, it's good to be with you as we are now in Exodus chapter uh, 30. So chapter 29 was interesting. And again, you got to love the book of Exodus and the diverse uh, and the diverse and strategic way of how everything was planned. Exodus was a strategic book. It was a strategic plan. It was a strategic exodus. And so everything was in perfect order from the from the escape to the uh, from the rescue and, and through the Red Sea and now and now that all of that's been done you know from from the plagues we've had the commandments now God's putting everything in order and so last in the last study we did the priesthood which was formed in the consecration of Aaron and his sons who were of the Levitical priesthood. But now I want you to really pay close attention to this chapter thirty because we're going to be looking at some very diverse things. And you know what was neat I want to share? I was reading something from a pastor. Um, he, uh, in his heart, he shared that uh, uh, he was reading through the Gospels in the New Testament. And he was seeing all of the things that Christ had done. He'd seen how uh, how Jesus, you know, he went and... Um, he he went and healed uh you know sick people and blind people and he you know and he felt and he's like I need to go out and do something more physical for people to help in the medical uh, field somewhere medical missions or something he saw how uh, Jesus fed 5000 people or more you know with the uh with the uh, uh two fish and the five loaves and he felt like I need to go out and I need to feed the people I need to feed the homeless I need to be involved in this you know, he he also remembered the time when Jesus defended a, a woman that was caught in adultery when they wanted to stand uh, when they wanted to stone her, and he said he thought to himself, "I need to stand up for those who are who are like socially and or, or you know just oppressed or whatever the case may be." And then he realized once he got through <laughs> once he got through reading the Gospels, he realized how exhausted he was, and then realized that I can't do all of this. And that's when the Lord spoke to him. He says, you know, he says, I get it. You know, you're, you're the Christ. You're the Lord. I'm not. And, and, and that's what the Lord was teaching him. was just like, no, I know. You know, I'm the one. I'm the one who heals the sick. I'm the one who raises the dead. I'm the one who heals the lepers. I'm the one who feeds the, you know, the thousands. I'm the one who, who does all of these things. But see, what's neat is, is the Lord has something for all. And he he gives us particular tasks. No, we cannot do all of those things. Only he can. But he allows us to be a part of those things in whatever capacity and the gifts that he gives us. And I was talking to a dear friend of mine, and uh, and again, she just um, you know she she always told me that uh, over the years. Uh, she's uh, 80 years old and a very special lady to me, and and uh, you know she's been in churches before and wanted to get involved in many things, and and she always said that the Lord had to remind her that you're not you're not in these churches to fix anything, <laughs> and you know, and she she realizes that, but again, I had to remind her that this is like no, we're not here to fix anything, but sometimes our presence when we're ready to to serve and do the Lord's will, is is what helps matters. A, a, a loving and willing presence it makes a difference, and and so again, pay close attention. We're going to be looking at uh, at chapter thirty here with quite a bit, uh, quite a bit of different things here to look at. 
But again, when it's all put together, you know, the, the, the puzzle, the picture is clear in, in, in what God was doing here. But we're going to be looking at, again, we're going to be looking at different things here. And I like to try to get uh, full chapters taught. I, I could break it down. I really could break it down, you know, into three or four different studies for chapter 30. But again, I want to be able to give the keys to every chapter as best as possible for what it's saying as we continue to move through. So let me start off in verse uh, chapter 30, verse 1 through 6 says, And ye shall make an altar to burn incense on, and ye shall make it out of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length, and a cubit its width, and it shall be square, and two cubits shall be its height. Its horns shall be of one piece with it, and ye shall overlay its top, its sides all around. And its horns with pure gold, and ye shall make it for a molding of gold all around. Two gold rings you shall make it under the molding on both sides. You shall place them on its two sides, and they will be holders uh, for the poles with which to bear it. And you shall make the poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with gold. And you shall put it before the veil that is before the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with you. So now we have an altar for incense. And it will be for a specific task of worship. Again, we see acacia wood, a very durable wood with gold being used um, in a cubit. Uh, a cubit is, again, 18-inch measurement. The Ark of the Covenant was in similar design because there was a specific way to handle this. It would have gold rings and a gold pole would go through it to carry it. And these things could not just be grabbed and carried by anyone. It was to be handled uh, delicately and, and it was to be handled by the priests. And it would be placed before the veil. If, if you followed along in the design of the tabernacle in the few chapters back, the veil was the Holy of Holies. And this is where the priest would come in once a year to make atonement for the sins of the people. So outside of the holy place, it would be lit. Okay, so it would be lit and that's where God would meet them. So let's take a look at verse 7 through 10. And it says, Aaron shall burn it on sweet incense every morning. And when he tends the lamps, he shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer strange incense on it, or a burnt offering, or a grain offering, nor shall you pour a drink offering on it. And Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. And once a year he shall make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. Now, I'm sure many hearing this would say, I am glad, you know, that we don't have to do all of this now nowadays. But I have to say, personally, what an inspiration to see the dedication to the instructions of God. You know, they took it very seriously, and for good reason, because people did the opposite of what God told them to do, and they paid dearly for it. Uh, you know, do not offer strange incense, God said, because people could offer whatever they wanted, and it could be offensive to God. Now, we can use Cain and Abel in Genesis as the, as the example, okay? Cain's offering of his produce of fruits and vegetables was not received by God. Why? Because there was detailed specifics here. The incense was strictly for that and not to be added with the drink, the burnt or the grain offerings that he will, that he will um, actually establish, but this was special. The incense was like that in the form of, uh, of a prayer, okay, lifting up to God, and, and, and ha it had no place 
this had no place with sacrificial offerings. The, the Day of Atonement, Aaron would put blood on the horns. And now, I think I said this before, but, but just in case I didn't, any time that horns are mentioned in the Bible, horns are always a representation of power. And in many outlooks, like the design of the horns in the tabernacle or even in prophetic visions... But the power of this was in the power of prayer and the power of forgiveness of the atonement. God was instructing strictly on, uh, on the incense altar because it was the welcoming factor and it was the prayer-like invitation. Uh, burn offerings, okay, incense, smoke was an aroma, uh, an aroma to God. It, it was always in a form of worship. See, the word of God shows us who he is and what he wants. And, and what he doesn't want. And, and, and praise be to God that we have the whole word of God to see the chain link, or what I like to refer to as the bridge. But see, God looks for the heart of the person, you know, in the love and in the worship and obedience. We know that he prefers obedience over sacrifice, because he, he gave the means for atonement by sacrifice. But, but obedience is more pleasing, and when we see the instructions given here, it was very impressive to see the careful detail that they took in the process of this or in their worship. We today do not do these practices, but how do we handle them in reverence or in love is the question. The relationship with God in our worship is, is what hit me, is I've observed how they dealt with the instructions to this day. Okay? To this day, observant Jews still follow the instructions as careful as possible. But in our love to God, how are we doing? Now, how are we doing now as we speak? And that's an important question for us right now. May we show him the love and reverence in our worship. Now, I want to continue because it gets interesting here in verse 11 to 16. We're going to be looking at ransom money here. Another subject. So pay attention to this. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When you take the census of the children of Israel for their number... Then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. And when you number them, that there may be no plague among them when you number them. This is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give. Half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is 20, uh, 20 gerahs. Uh, the half shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. Everyone included among those who are numbered from 20 years old and above, shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel. When you give uh, an, uh, an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves, and you shall take the atonement money for the, of the children of Israel, and shall appoint it to the service of the tabernacle of meeting, that it may be of a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord God, or the, before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. So now a census. Now a census is taken. Okay, now we have the book of Numbers. Uh, the book of Numbers is a big part of that census. And, uh, but this is a census without being plagued. Uh, when someone made a census, uh, say like in, in the Roman times when they colonized areas, we had Caesar Augustus who took a census of the people at the birth of Christ. And it was for tax purposes and knowing who is who, where they're from. But in other cases, it was in the form of ownership, if you think about it. And you could find uh, that section of it in the beginning of Luke's Gospel. Human ownership. 
and, and, and that was against the plan of God. He was the one who ruled over them. Not a king, not a pharaoh, or any ruler in human form. But what they would do is they would count or number what belonged to the uh, to then King David. You know, okay, King David got in trouble when he did that in uh, in Second Samuel and Chronicles. King David took a census of the fighting men, and God was not pleased by that whatsoever. But at the age of twenty or above was the age of adulthood, and it would be looked at as a census tax. And when a census took place, all people 20 or older were required to pay a ransom or like a tithe in a sense. And all people paid the same amount, from the richest to the poorest. And, and this showed that, uh, that all souls were equally important to God. This was for the redemption of their deliverance. And I'm not sure of what a half shekel was in their currency, but you know, a couple thousand years later when the temple will be built... That, that particular amount would be the uh, the annual temple tax, what they what they actually charged in the temple uh, tax uh, a couple thousand years later. But you see, God used this as the dedicated use for the tabernacle, and what a good use towards something because as they were traveling through the Sinai desert. The weather was brutal, right? So, so now that things are being established, God is putting things in order of people of certain ages and the building of the tabernacle and, and how it was to be done. If you remember when God moved the Israelites out of Egypt, the Egyptians were, um, the Egyptians, they give, they gave gifts to the people, parting gifts, if you will, but he, he put on their hearts by the grace of, of, of God. And this was the grace and the moving of God himself as they gave gold, silver, jewelry, clothing, and money of sorts. And, and it, was, um, it, it was a gift from God to the people from the Egyptian people because they were enslaved for all those years. So in return, God said to take a half a shekel to use it toward the place of meeting of worship. And what's, what's neat is I have a dear friend and a brother who is a pastor nearby me. I, I attend the church during the week. And I've actually gotten involved in ministry there, and I also get to teach there from time to time when needed. And my friend, he is a retired NFL football player. He played for 10 years. And then after he had to retire, he was called into ministry. Now, as we're recording this, uh, this is being recorded in 2019. And uh, so he started that church about 17 years ago. But see, he purchased the, he purchased the place with his own money. Uh, it, it used to be a house on on so many acres. I don't know how many acres, but it, what it was was it was a house on some on some acres, and he had it converted into a church and built a small youth building on the side. Now I just found out that uh, just recently that they're opening a teen center in it where they will be helping uh, uh, kids with scholarship opportunities for college and career placement. But what he did was uh, when he built it. What he did is after the church was built, he signed it over to the church, taking his name off of it as an owner. Because he realized who the true owner is. And by that we see why it is doing well. And why I attend there personally. Because I would never attend a church that someone claims that belongs to them. But we, we see the same concept. God supplied the means and requested what to do with it. God supplied not just the means of putting the tabernacle together, but also the deliverance out of Egypt and putting it on the hearts of the Egyptian people to give. 
17 to 21. And then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, You shall also make a laver of bronze, with its base also bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet in water from it. And when they go into the tabernacle of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister uh, to burn an offering made by fire to the Lord, they shall wash with water, lest they die. So they shall wash their hands and their feet, lest they die, and it shall be a statute forever to them, to him and his descendants throughout the generations. So briefly, uh, God instructs a laver, a laver of bronze, a basin of sorts, for ceremonial washing in between the courtyard. So again, why bronze was because it was durable, it was rust proof. And, and biblically, uh, uh, bronze represented judgment in the form of the colors. Gold, silver, bronze was used in a lot of things, okay? Because gold represented heaven, uh, silver represented redemption, and bronze represented judgment. But again, the requirement before entering was a washing. Washing one's hands was important. Why? Because, well, the priests, they did sacrifices. And I've always said that, that leaders in some cases, uh, a lot of times, whether it's political or any kind of leader, a lot of leaders in some cases can have either blood on one hand or dirt on the other hand, exposing, you know, exposing one or the other sometimes. And exposing one's hands showed what they did. So washing their feet was typical because you did not want to bring the dust or dirt from the world into the presence of God. So Moses was commanded to remove his sandals at the burning bush because he was standing on holy ground, if you remember Moses' meeting with God. Why? Because you do not bring the dirt of the world into the presence of God. And nor do we raise holy hands unto God with blood on our palms. You know, we like to say that I caught you red-handed. Well, paint washes off easier than blood. And so on. It was commanded to wash before entering into the Holy of Holies. Because our hands and our, wa- our hands represent our, wa- our work and our feet represent our walk. 22-33, check this out. It says, Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also take for yourself... Quality spices, 500 shekels of, of liquid myrrh, half of a, such sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels. 250 shekels of uh, sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of, of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hin of olive oil. And you shall make from, the, uh, from these a holy anointing oil, an ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil, and with it you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the ark of the testimony, the table and all its utensils, the lampstands and its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with its all its utensils, and the laver and its base. And you shall consecrate them that they may be most holy, whatever touches them must be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them, that they may minister to me as priests. And you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on man's flesh, nor shall you make any other like it according to its composition. It is holy, it shall be holy to you. 
Whoever compounds any like it, or whoever puts any of it on an uh, any of it on an outsider, shall be cut off from his people. Now we see that God gives the anointing, uh, anointing oil, and it was typical for three types of people in a position that were anointed with the oil in this recipe. Uh, the priests were the first, and then prophets were next, and then hundreds of years later, kings will be anointed with oil when they were established. Uh, but the oil would be on the tabernacle, okay, the furniture, and, and on the priests. Why, why they were not to have it on the flesh, because the, the flesh was symbolic of, of, of being sinful. So we say that we were living in the flesh. We've heard that before, right? I'm living in the flesh. And when we fall into sin, or when we mess up in any way, we use it as a term of falling short. So keeping it off the flesh was to keep from gratifying them to making sure that the glory was to the Lord. Now, we today even anoint our houses with oil to bless it in the power of the Holy Spirit, whether it be in protection and blessings. But it says here that no outsiders were to be anointed in this fashion because, again, this was a holy thing, and holy means set apart. God was setting people apart for his service. And we are involved today, right? We get to be involved today and praise God in so many ways for that. Because we have in the book of James, right, that uh, in the book of James it says that if someone is sick, to have the elders anoint them with oil. And now, who was that anyone, right, who comes to be prayed over because they believe in the Lord and, and, they're, and are willing to be anointed? Because the oil was the symbol in faith. But the power was in the prayer to the one who heals, blesses, and anoints. I remember I, I got to anoint someone on a street corner who called me to pray and anoint her in her neighborhood as she was getting sick. And it was my pleasure and honor to drive there and anoint her around the corner in her neighborhood. And some will anoint themselves and pray. But again, it's done in faith in the Lord and what he is going to do. Now let's continue in, in verse 34. And the Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices, stacked in, in, in uh, uh, onyaka and galbanum, and pure frankincense with these sweet spices. There shall be equal amounts of each. You shall make of these uh, an incense, a compound according to the art of the perfumer, salted, pure, and holy. And you shall beat some of it very fine, and put some of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting, where I shall meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. But as for the incense which you shall make, you shall not make any for yourselves according to its composition. It shall be to you holy for the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to smell it, he shall be cut off from his people. So we've got some serious stuff here, because these things added... Were, were to present the sweet aroma. And this was versus the aroma of a burnt offering. This was a special scent that was meant for God in worship. Do not use this as a perfume to use for others, God said. It was to be burned only in the tabernacle. Now, perfume making, to my understanding, is pretty extensive. And, and modern perfume makers today can be very wealthy. But you see, God designed a priceless scent that no one can use or sell in a store. That whoever makes any like it shall be cut off from his people. Because incense was, uh, was used quite often by the Israelites. 
but this one here was set apart. Um, but you know, I have some friends that uh, that deal with essential oils, and I've asked both of them, and they both said that um, as well as just uh, common research has also showed that frankincense was the oil of all oils, and there's so many benefits in it. But it was used for worship to God. And because of that, first and foremost, we see why it is the oil of all oils. But that stuff there has so many benefits in it that we're, not, we're unaware of. But it was meant for God first. Because God was making sure that this recipe was protected. And, and that it was used for the tabernacle. Now, now, many others out there will do things in incense and other things to worship other entities. And to take this God-given design for worship to God would be, uh, would be the ultimate insult to take and offer it up to a foreign God from another nation that doesn't even exist. So now we see why God said what he said, right? To make it to smell like that in God's design and then give it to another is blasphemy. Because there is no other like God. Now, we today, we do not practice these things. You know, as Gentiles, Jews are no longer doing certain things due to the destruction of the temple. But I always make known the reverence to the Lord. Remember that there is no one like God. There's nothing like God, no comparison whatsoever. And and in the form of worship and in the form of reverence and, and most importantly in the form of love, God showed you know, God should get the best. And we, and he showed us what to do with it. And, and knowing the right way to worship God is very important because people took it upon themselves to worship God in the way they wanted to and God was not pleased with it. You know, he wasn't pleased with what they thought they should do or bring before the altar. And he, let me give you the example. If someone knew... If someone knew you did not like something, and if they knew that, say, like you were allergic to something, and they brought it to you as a birthday gift, you would probably be insulted. Now, now God is not going to tolerate blatant disobedience or defiance. And again, knowing the whole word of God is, is so important because we do not want to do wrong by him. You know, and he gives us the insight from the most vast library known to, the, known to man as the word of God. The, the Bible is the measuring stick of truth. Amen? Now, there is something of importance first that must happen because many read the Bible but have never received the Lord in their hearts. Christ Jesus, who died for the sins of the world, was sent by God to be a once and for all sacrifice. And by receiving Him as Lord and Savior, receiving Him as, as Father will be the most important decision that anyone can make, that you can make if you haven't done that. See, being a fan of someone is one thing. But belonging to them is powerful and precious. And anyone can belong to the Lord if you want to receive Him. We have the famous John 3.16, Whoever should believe in Him will not perish, but will inherit everlasting life. And, And you have the choice to receive And maybe the time is now because, again, I I like to make known that tomorrow is never guaranteed. And and so many people believe in God. So many people believe that there is a God. So many people believe that, yeah, I believe Jesus existed and 
I heard about all of the great things he did, but the greatest was the fact that of what we just read right now, or what we just heard right now, is that he died for the sins of the world and, and gave the opportunity that whosoever should, should believe in him and receive him will have everlasting life. So the opportunity is, is now to receive him if you feel led. And by doing so, what you do is you say a prayer with me in, in receiving him into your heart as your Father, your Lord, and your Savior. I always make known, you know, everybody wants a Savior, but they don't always want a Lord. Well, he must be both. See, you, there's lots of Lords around the world. There's lots of Lords uh, around around our our areas and our work with with small L's. But our our Lord is a capital L. He's Lord and Savior. He's Father, ever loving God, and He wants you. He wants to receive you, and He wants you to receive Him. And He's been waiting, and, and He's been wanting you. He wants to give a place for you. You know, he's, he said himself, you know, before he went to heaven, he told his disciples, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And he's doing the same thing with every one of us. You know, you think about your parents <laughs> when they found out that you were, when they were pregnant with you and, and they found out that if, sometimes some of them found out that you were a boy or a girl. And what did they do? They went home and they prepared your room. They painted it pink or blue and they decorated it in, 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 the, in the decor of what your little place was going to be. And that's what the Lord is doing for you too. He's preparing a place. So, But he wants you to go ahead and make the, uh, make the decision to say that I'm in his family. And I want to have a place with him. I want to dwell with him for all of eternity. And as we go on together, we're going to see that that as he loves you, you'll you'll fall in love with him too, because what he's done and what he continues to do is so amazing. So I want to give you the opportunity, if you feel led, to to say this prayer to repeat after me. So you could do that right now if you want to repeat after me, dear God, please forgive me. Please forgive me of all of my sins, Father. I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I ask of you to cleanse me of all of my sins. And Father, I want to thank you now for having me, Lord. I want to thank you for choosing me. I want to thank you for saving me. As I now receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And Lord, you are now my Father. And I want to walk with you all my days, Father. So Lord, I want to thank you now for for having me as I receive you now. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Well, that was quite a bit today, wasn't it? <laughs> if you need to ever go back and recap some of it, there's quite a bit, but that's what it's here for. You know, because God's doing so many amazing things, right? I mean, let's take a look here at what he's done and what he continues to do. So, so venture along with us here and, and take a look because, again, we're just scratching the surface. But, you know, it's a good time. And we're growing together. We're walking together. We're walking with Him. So may you do so all your days. Stay close to Him. Be in the Word. Be in prayer. May you be in a good Bible teaching and God-loving and fearing church. 
And, and we're always here for you in prayer and in love. And, and I pray that you would just continue to draw near to Him as He draws near to you. God bless you.